Good morning, I'm Anna Healy-Fenton and welcome to this week's Peaks and Troughs. This week we're looking at the East Lantau Metropolis. Yes, difficult to get your tongue around that sometimes. This is the massive island project that the government wants to build on reclaimed land somewhere between Discovery Bay and Kennedy Town. Tom Yam, consultant and retired engineer, has kept a careful eye on what the government is up to and has some disturbing news. Well, the proposal is to connect three areas together. Two of them involve reclaiming land of the island of Heilingjiao and Gaiyijiao, and they are located... Now, these two islands are where exactly? They are located what they call the Central Water Passage. That's the area, of, that's a body of water between Kennedy Town in Hong Kong and Discovery Bay, Muiwo in Lantau. So the idea is to reclaim land around these two islands in this uh, central water passageway and connect these two reclaimed areas into Muiwo, which is in Lantau. And the idea is to have between 1,000 to 2,000 hectares of land uh, and make it a metropolis. Now, this is a huge area. The area would be like 25% to 50% the size of Kowloon. So we're really creating a new city in the middle of the South China Sea. So will these islands still be separate or will they be merged? They would connect them by bridges and tunnels. Uh, there will be bridges and tunnels connecting between the island and Hong Kong and to Yi and also uh, to the Lantau itself. So is this an, an engineer's dream or is this going to be reality? It would be infrastructure developer dream because it involves so much. It will be the biggest project since the airport. Okay, Now, it all came very quickly. It did, didn't it? Because I seem to remember Leung Chung Ying mentioning it in his policy address just last year and then suddenly we have a study. He mentioned it in January policy address and six months later... There's a proposal to conduct an engineering study on how to reclaim land to the tune of $300 million. So the government requested that project, and recently they pulled it back because they sensed the resistance. But I'm sure they would put the project back on the table in the future. But isn't that putting the cart before the horse to ask how to do it before you've even asked why we need it? They never answered the question uh, satisfactorily. There's some vague notion of uh, it's going to be for housing, going to be for tourism. Uh, they even say there's going to be a new uh, CBD central business district uh, in this island, and that will become the third CBD in Hong Kong next to Central and West Kowloon. But as we know, the West Kowloon uh, CBD is really having a lot of problem uh, coming up to expectation. So why do we need another CBD? Number one, number two. Where are these housing and hotel and more need come from? Nobody answered those questions. That was Tom Yam. Paul Zimmerman is a district councillor and founder of Designing Hong Kong. He can partly answer that question. A lot of it is down to history. That's right. In the uh, 80s, uh, the British government already uh, looked at how to develop Lantau 
And they came up with a big plan, uh, lots of reclamation of Green Island and then road internal connections and rail connections to a group of islands, Kasi Chow and the, uh, the Sunshine Islands, and then uh, having a big metropolis there, uh, and then a connection to Lantau, and then on Lantau, the development of the North Shore, including the airport. Now, that plan kind of didn't go very far because uh, the, uh, the bridge felt very poor and uh, there wasn't a lot of money. Um, except in 1989, they got so worried about uh, the Hong Kong population being uh, so concerned about China taking over and um, that they uh, pulled out uh, the key aspects of that plan. Uh, the plan was called the Rose Garden Project. And they pulled out the key aspects of the plan, which were the airport and uh, the bridges. And that's what they then proceeded with. But the rest of the plan was left. Uh, and now uh, CY and his team are kind of picking up the old plan. So it's not new at all. So uh, it's wrong to think that uh, this is something they've sprung on us. Yeah, I think so. That is. And uh, if you look at Hong Kong's development, I mean, the original development was uh, uh, at Aberdeen, Hong Kong Dai. Um, We had a lot of reclamation there, uh, ones that kind of was filled up and used up. And we started to grow further. The the, the new development area became Victoria Harbour. Uh, and again, we grew with reclamation uh, because our mountains run straight into the sea and there's no flat land to build on. Um, and now what we're looking at is kind of the, this century, the growth area is, is the Pearl River Delta and the Lantau and uh, the North Shore and Tin Moon area are all part of the Pearl River Delta um, uh, economic zone and where the, the pressure is to grow and, and to develop. And so we have to see how we're going to respond to that. And, and I, I would hope that we can come up with a comprehensive plan for the Pearl River Delta and the western waters of Hong Kong, not just a uh, you know, haphazard plans, one for a metropolis, one for an airport extension, one for a logistics centre, one for a penny bay, but that we can do a comprehensive plan that everything can be fit well together. So we can choose where we protect the ecology, natural shorelines, how do we deal with dolphins and marine lives, but on the other end also how, how are we going to fit into that development of the Pearl River Delta in, in, a, in a constructive way. So uh, ideally they should be taking a holistic approach, is that what you're saying? A holistic approach, uh, not this individual and haphazard approach, uh, but on the other hand, you know, these uh, kind of island ideas that take a long time to mature, uh, whether they're feasible at all, it still has to be seen because you've got to connect them to the existing infrastructure, to the existing uh, land on Hong Kong Island and on Lantau, and whether that's possible and how what the impacts are yet has still to be seen and what is this going to cost. So a plan like this is, is way off. Uh, so if you look at land supply in Hong Kong, it's not a priority. The priority should really be the re, uh, upgrading of the lands in the new territories, the implementation of the new towns, which is hard work for government because you have to deal with existing landowners, existing land users, existing infrastructure. Is that why they prefer to, to do reclamation as a way of acquiring land? Oh, absolutely. Reclamation and taking bits of the country park are so much easier. I mean, government owns the seabed, government owns the country parks. Uh, the only thing they have to do is kind of put out a border and, uh, and sell off the land and let people then develop it. Uh, there's no existing infrastructure you have to be worried about. Uh, you don't have to do, deal with compensation issues. So, mm-hmm. no, no, from a bureaucratic point of view, reclamation and country parks are easy. Uh, but we've got to get them to for, uh, enforce government to do the difficult bits and develop the brownfields in the new territories and the industrial areas first. So when realistically could we see an East Lantown metropolis taking shape? 
oh, that we're really going to see the uh, the dredges out there and uh, and it's this being built. I, let's just see what the conclusion is of the study. Uh, there is a possibility that Hailing Chow Typhoon Shelter is going to be uh, put up for development. Uh, the Typhoon Shelter is already uh, surrounded by breakwater, so filling that in could move extremely quickly. Um, so, um, but an, an comprehensive metropolis, uh, large scale, uh, has been suggested in the old plans, the Rose Garden project. I can see that uh, before we see anything happening 10 years off. That was Paul Zimmerman. Well, it seems it's all about population growth. But there's not much thought for environmental pressure and uh, quality of life. Amy Young is district councillor for Discovery Bay. And she and many of her constituents have grave fears about the impact on their quality of life. I think there will be a huge reclamation of land in the middle of nowhere. And this will affect the uh, marine ecology and it also will affect the uh, fairways. The fairways you mean for shipping? For shipping, yes. We travel to work and uh, to central and to all old island people have to travel to work in central or elsewhere. And if you are building uh, an artificial island in the middle of the sea, surely you will have a lot of construction work, uh, a lot of um, engineering work. So this will affect the transportation, I mean sea transportation, and also the uh, environment and the fishery industry. So are there any good aspects to this proposed project? From the government, they said they will provide a um, very large supply of uh, land for commercial, industrial, as well as residential. But from what I can see, there are other ways uh, more cost-effective to get land rather than building an artificial island in the middle of the sea. Yes, it does seem like uh, it's the easiest way to suddenly produce land, doesn't it, rather than tackling the issues of land in new territories. Um, if you are talking about the objection from people, uh, might be, but I- you have to consider we have a lot of people who are so concerned about our environment, and we like the um, country park. We also like the sea very much, and if we are going to build an island over there, and then what are we going to do? We lost sight of this beautiful sea, and uh, we will lose sight of the... Um, traveling uh, on the ship uh, on the ferry to work we really enjoyed it very much and um, as a resident living in Discovery Bay and uh, I value the time traveling to work because we have very beautiful view of the sea of the ocean so it's a real game changer isn't it it's basically the end of the outlying islands because they're not going to be outlying anymore of course it's a large piece of land and, and um, also, I don't know how they are going to build it. Uh, obviously, you will have to build some tunnels or bridges, but the uh, sea traffic there is very heavy right now. But um, how are you going to arrange this? Mm-hmm. So what do you think about the way the government has gone about this? The government said that they will do some um, technical feasibility studies uh, but what I can see, this is some sort of project they've uh, put into the shelf for 20 or 30 years ago. Now they put it up and then to spend a lot of money on it again. So what is the purpose? Supply of land, and we can do it in other ways, 
rather than ruining our sea, the ocean, and the marine life. Oh, what do you think is the purpose? Is there some hidden agenda here, perhaps? Well, I don't know whether there's any hidden agenda, but what I can see right now is that there are quite a lot of infrastructure going on in Hong Kong. If we act this mega one, there will be more. Do we have the resources to do it? Do we have uh, a lot of engineers as well as workers to do the job? That is another problem. That was Discovery Bay District Councillor Amy Young. Nicholas Brooks is a veteran property consultant in Hong Kong and chairs the government-appointed Harbourfront Commission, which reviews projects which affect the harbourfront. He explains what the government's thinking is really all about, putting it down to population explosion and keeping up with Singapore. The Hong Kong government believe that over the next uh, 15, 20 years, the population of Hong Kong is going to grow from just over 7 million at the present time to 9 million by 2035. Uh, if you accept and agree that, then clearly uh, there is the need for significant more built space, be it uh, offices, be it uh, residential, be it support facilities. And uh, we're just constrained at the moment physically uh, and uh, in terms of uh, planning and infrastructure uh, in terms of what we can do on a scale. So this is Hong Kong's Hong Kong government's response, if you like, on scale to the challenge that they believe we're going to face in the future. Does it really need to be such a, a big single lump of land? Uh, interesting. Um, there's arguments both ways, I suppose. If you want to create that statement, if you want to create something which, if you like, is going to lead Hong Kong forward in terms of sustainability, smart uh, connectivity, etc., then there is an argument for creating, uh, for doing something on scale. Um, there's a counter-argument, I think, uh, on creating nodes or creating clusters of uh, buildings, clusters of uh, people um, around the territory, uh, rather than uh, a large new community of half a million to a million people. Um, but no doubt, you can, if you create this island and create this metropolis, as they call it, you can potentially do something which puts Hong Kong ahead in terms of uh, uh, its sustainability agenda. Do we really need this extra capacity? Because surely a lot of people will retire to China because it's so much cheaper and it's the ageing population that's going to see the biggest increase, surely? Well, retire to China is a moot point. Um, people seem to be reluctant to, to move to China, albeit that it is a cheaper option. Um, they worry about medical, they worry about uh, the legal system, uh, they worry about the soft side, if you like. So I think we're looking at Hong Kong in an ageing, at an ageing-in-place model so people are not going to move to communities in the Pearl River Delta and we're going to have to provide them with increasing support uh, within their existing communities. So is this really the only option? I mean, there's lots of land in the new territories that's covered in containers. Well, I agree, and one of the things that uh, I often counter when people say we haven't got any land, of course we have land, but the challenge is it's not ready for development either in terms of planning or in terms of infrastructure. Um, but in fairness to the government, to put together a... Um, a, town, a new town, a megapolis of uh, half a million to a million people, you really are looking at reclamation as being the only option. Um, we don't have land on that scale, if you like, uh, form land that we could use for such purpose. Do we have the skilled workforce and engineers and all that it will take and dredgers to do all this? Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, we're pretty good at um, uh, inf building things and, and particularly things of an infrastructure nature. Um, where we've got to improve is on the soft side, I think. Um, quality of life, clearly, if, you're, if we're looking to attract talent, quality of life is going to be a major consideration. So the debates around air, waste, water, 
debates around um, urban transportation, urban mobility, all these have got to be uh, to be solved. I think. You know, one of the challenges with a, an island and a megapolis uh, is connectivity and, and getting people to this uh, this new venue, if you like, or new new site, and also uh, connecting it to the rest of Hong Kong. How do we know that it's not going to be another of Leung Chung-ying's extremely extravagant infrastructure products, which currently are running over budget and are seriously delayed? Well, infrastructure is required, if, if you like, to form the platform and, and to provide the connectivity, but in terms of what goes on the site, um, I think we, 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 there is a chance to create a new model. Um, we've said that we'd like to turn Hong Kong into a living laboratory in terms of uh, uh, sustainable living, in terms of a sustainable, a sustainable city. Um, and I believe, uh, given a megapolis-type concept, you, we could do something which does set us apart or set us ahead, if you like, of uh, places like Singapore. Is this at the heart of social engineering at the moment and current thinking that we should be going on this grand scale? Surely most people are going back towards a more villagey, small communities type feel. Well, back to what I was saying earlier, I, I, I'm of the school that uh, I like the, the pockets, the nodes, if you like, the the local flavours, the local characteristics, if you like. Um, when you go to scale, inevitably a lot of that gets, uh, if you like, planned out of the uh, out of the uh, design and planned out of the uh, layout. So this is a case of a uh, slight change of policy, I would say, that instead of building retrospectively to meet an existing need, we're building ahead of the anticipated need. Yes, uh, I mean, uh, this is looking ahead, and, and, and to be fair to see why, uh, he is looking ahead in a number of areas, and, and uh, if the population figures that I mentioned earlier, the 9 million is, is correct, clearly we need, to, we need to anticipate that in terms of accommodation, in terms of offices, and particularly in terms of quality of life. That was property consultant Nick Brooks, who chairs the government's Harbourfront Commission. Well, so far, nobody seems to be jumping for joy at the prospect of an East Lantau metropolis. Perhaps it's the thought of a landmass between a quarter and a half the size of Kowloon, occupying what we now see as well, the harbour front between Kennedy Town and stretching almost across to Discovery Bay. Roger Nissim is a planning and lands consultant and adjunct professor of real estate and construction at Hong Kong U. He's also a retired civil servant. He doesn't take the obvious planning line on this one and doesn't really think that the government has looked at alternatives. In fact, it does seem as if the government really hasn't considered any alternatives yet. So, Roger, what do you think of the government's grand plan for an island that's somewhere between the size of 25% and 50% of Kowloon in the middle of the sea? Extravagant, I think, is the first word that comes to mind. Um, land reclamation has been a fact of life in Hong Kong since 1841. The very first land sales on Hong Kong Island were reclamations off the existing north shore of, Hong Kong, you know, of Hong, Kong, Hong Kong Island. And pretty well all the other land reclamations that have been done have been, if you like, bolted on to existing mainland bits of territory, whether they were filling in in Sha Tin, whether they were along the north shore of Hong Kong Island, whether they were filling in bays and what have you around uh, Kowloon, uh, Tun Mun, a lot of the new towns are... You know, high percentage of reclamation. Even the new airport was 75% reclaimed, but it was tagged on to an existing island called Chet Black Cock, which is why the airport is often called that. That used to be an island called Chet Black Cock. To actually go straight out into the, into, the, into the ocean and start from ground zero 
Um, I'm not sure how deep the water is. It's a ma- major shipping lane. The um, containers come in and out all around that particular area. Um, I would think that the cost-effectiveness of producing land in that location would be absolutely huge. Uh, and whether it would turn out to be good value for money or not, um, it's too early to say. But I've, I put a big question mark. I, I prefer the idea of not such massive reclamations, but using existing infrastructure. I think the perhaps a good example on, on Land Tower, Tung Chung East and Tung Chung West, where you're actually expanding the existing new town. You, they've got hospitals built, they've got the MTR there, they've got existing infrastructure, and they're just maximising what they've already done and adding to it. If you go and start create this brand new island in the middle of the deep sea, um, I think it's a bottomless pit in terms of money. Mm. Mm. In terms of numbers... We know we have 150 Mm. fresh immigrants from the mainland Mm. coming in every day and the predicted increase in Hong Kong's population is that Mm. it will go from 7 to 9 million. Now, if you do the maths on 150 a day, we are going to have this huge need for more housing. Simple arithmetic. It's about 50,000 a year. Every 10 years, it's half a million. Half a million is a new town. Uh, We've known this since the handover. It was was all written in. So there's nothing new here. Um, Some of these... Uh, come for marriages or family reunion, etc. So it's a very crude numbering, but it does give an indicative uh, idea of what the commitment is. And until that, until that changes, I mean, unless this, you know, unless the government's brave enough to go up to Beijing and say, look, we think we've had enough of this 150 per day. We don't seem to need that very more because I, I understand it's not actually fully utilised every day, but over 100, between 100 and 150, it's still big enough. Um, is it time to rethink that? That's a different argument. That's a different argument. But there you've got, an, you know, a flow that's been nonstop for the last 18 years. Mm. That's a, nearly a million people. That's two new towns. That's so it's, it's not, this isn't anything magic. Um, and ironically, the new towns that were built in the 70s and 80s were built to deal with the influx of Hong Kong's, into Hong Kong of Ch- Chinese immigrants running away from the Gang of Four and communist China. So we, we've got, you know, we know how to do new towns. Um, we know, uh, you know, we've got the, um, the structure and the mechanisms that are well tried and tested. But I don't think any of the new towns were built right in the middle of the sea. I mean, when you arrived in 1973, I would say uh, the new territories didn't have half of Hong Kong's population the way it does now. Correct. I mean, it was... Uh, the KCRC, the old route, they had six trains up and six trains down on a single-track railway. I mean, nobody went to the new territories except the existing villages. <laughs> and now uh, they're covered in containers. Surely there's some way to make better use of these brown sites. Yeah, I think this is uh, an area that does need to be looked at. There's about 250 hectares of brownfield sites up, up there in the new territories that do need looking at. I know the government had to turn a blind eye to the container issue because they hadn't themselves provided for container storage when they expanded the container port as quickly as they did. So this was a, um, a natural reaction to cope with a supply and demand situation. I think the container terminal is past its peak and, it's, if anything, it's winding down a little bit. Um, my own view, and I've articulated this at some of the recent consultations, is that those islands that they're talking about in the you know, eastern part off Lantau, why not use them for container storage? They're bang, slap bang next to the um, container terminal, take all the traffic off the roads. You could just sh- uh, ship the, con- the empty containers from the container terminal to this island. And the reclamation for that island could be an awful lot simpler because you wouldn't have to build hospitals and schools and all the other stuff that you would need if you're going to do a new town. 
you may not even need to do an MTR connection because you could just rely on, on ferry transport because it was being used for that particular purpose. That could free up a huge amount of land in the new territories um, for, you know, for residential development. Interesting. One thing you might be able to explain is why all this is shrouded in such secrecy. I tried to contact Franklin Lamb and Randy Yu from the Lantau Development Advisory and I got through to Franklin, who, far from being his usual loquacious self, (laughs) was extremely reticent and wouldn't Mm. talk to me and said, oh, no, all top secret. Why Mm. is it top secret? I have no idea myself. I mean, I'm not on the inside track on this. I'm not a government consultant. I consult with for private people, for private companies. I just know the same as as everyone else, what I read in the paper and what I read in the press releases. And you heard it here first, folks. When I rang Randy Yu, he no longer works for Sino Group. Does this mean he's about to arrive in in Exco? Um, So here we are waiting to see what happens. We have a feasibility study going on at the moment. Uh, When will we see any action? Well, I think it's an absolutely massive engineering project. I mean, I think part of the problem is this rather distorted mechanism um, called the Capital Works Reserve Fund, where it was agreed before the handover and even before the handover that money generated from land revenue, and it can sometimes be 30% of government's income, should be set aside for capital works, which is why the governments in the past have been hell-bent on covering this town in concrete because that seems to be the requirement. Now, this is purely administrative. There's no law that says you have to use the Capital Works Reserve Fund for, for that purpose. You, surely some of that money could be set aside for welfare or for other, other reasons. It doesn't all have to be used for filling in harbours and for filling, you know, covering the surface of Hong Kong with concrete. That was Roger Nissim former civil servant in the Lands Department and now planning and lands consultant. That brings us to the end of this week's Peaks and Troughs. Next week, we'll be looking at Hong Kong gone wrong. I'll be talking about stories where life hasn't quite gone according to plan, in a very Hong Kong sort of way. Until then, have a great week. Bye for now. It was on the Isle of Capri that I found her Beneath the shade of an old walnut tree Oh, I can still see the flowers blooming round her Where we met on the Isle of Capri She was as sweet as a rose at the dawning But somehow fate hadn't meant her for me And though I sailed with the tide in the morning Still my heart's on the Isle of Capri Summertime was nearly over Italian sky above I said lady I'm a rover Can you spare a sweet word of love She whispered softly it's best not to linger And then as I kissed her hand I could see She wore a plain golden ring on her finger Twas goodbye on the eye